You are now listening to the Doula Road Trip Podcast. My name is Jariel and I am a certified doula. After a quick and unsuccessful start in the birth industry over six years ago, I am returning in order to turn my passion into my career. In this show, I am going to share with you my journey and my hope is that we together can start up and stay up doing the work that we absolutely love. This podcast will be a resource, it will be a tool, and it will also be a point of reference for you as you start your journey into birth work. I want to share everything that I wish I knew before I started and answer some frequently asked questions that constantly pop up in birth work even now six years later. I would love for you to be able to find inspiration, to find community, and to also be encouraged that the work that you love can absolutely be the work that you do for the rest of your life if you want. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Doula Road Trip Podcast. And today I have a very special guest. I'm so excited. This is my friend and also my business coach. Her name is Lakeisha Angelique and she is the founder of Lakeisha Angelique Consulting. Um, she is a DE&I expert for people who don't know that is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what I love the most about the conversation that we're going to have today is that we're going to talk about, a lot about building an anti-racist business and also what it has been like for black people to really show up in this space as a birth worker and it's still basically white dominated honestly the industry and a lot of the areas that we choose to practice in and so that has been interesting uh, for me as a doula who's been dueling full time now um, finding my people right and finding a safe space and really navigating a world where I want to be a doula I want to work my business is not booked and busy so I'm having to collaborate with other businesses and kind of trying to figure out like what that means and what role I play and um, how not to make that a toxic environment that like the one I left in corporate America <laughs> so that's been a very very interesting so um, Lakeisha, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I would love it if you would introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive into the conversation. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. You know, you're one of my favorite um, people <laughs> on the planet. I love everything that you do and what you stand for, but I am Lakeisha Angelique of Lakeisha Angelique Consulting. And yes, I help businesses uh, take the overwhelm out of diversity, equity, and inclusion and creating safe spaces by asking the right questions to get to an anti-racist business and mm. all that it entails. Yeah, I, so you're the first DE and I, like, independent consultant that I ever met. So, like, I know that that's, like, integrated into, like, corporate America a lot of times, but I didn't know that people did that as, like, a business independently. But after everything we've been through, especially in 2020 and some things that have come out, a lot of people have been called out last year and this year, too. I have seen, like, such a rise in the conversation 
about DEI and consultants and what they do and how they can help. So have you seen that? Like, because I feel like you were doing this before it was popular. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I say that all the time. Like I was doing DEI work 15 years ago when I still had to build the business case and sell people on the return on investment. Uh, whereas now uh, people are reaching out like, hey, I need to book someone. I need to book someone because they see how important uh, DE&I is to their business and how it can really affect their bottom line. Because let's face it, we, we're in a capitalist um, world and the, the almighty dollar drives everything. So it does have to tie back to, you know, a financial um, aspect of it other than, you know, my, I say to be a good human uh, right. in business. Yes, we do. And, and in the corporate space, it has absolutely taken off as well. People are hiring um, belonging specialists are creating all different kinds of positions for people to come in and hiring more consultants to to help them create strategies on their um, DEI efforts. Yeah. So Lakeisha was coaching me this year and I was stressed because I couldn't find like a space that I felt like I belonged in the doula community. Right. So we have doula groups and a lot of times they have meetups, right, virtual or in person. And every time I show up, I'm usually the only person of color or one of like two maybe. And so I was wondering where all the black doulas were. And so Lakeisha told me, you know what, just maybe start a meetup. And it was around Juneteenth when this happened. And so I decided to start doing a BIPOC doula mixer here in Cleveland, Ohio. And it's really taken off, honestly. It's the most successful event that I've ever thrown. Not that I've thrown a lot, honestly, but I have thrown events where no one has shown up. So I was wholeheartedly expecting that. And so people have come every month since I started. And it's still new, but I'm finding that we are in a lot of conversations that are around what it's like to be doing birth work in a black or brown body and doing that in a space that's predominantly white. So mm -hmm. being a part of the community a lot of times mean that you have to collaborate, right, with people who have more experience than you, have been around longer than you, and who can help you get to the next level, right? And so a lot of us are stuffing down our emotions when it comes to racism that's popping up either with the people who we have to collaborate with or with the clients that we have to serve due to the people that we're working with right or it's coming up where people feel like we aren't necessarily like being heard sometimes we refer our clients to people who tell us that we're too close to our clients and try to get our clients to fire us um it's also been cases where clients have been outright racist and verbalize that they don't want us in the room and we are still forced to move forward with being a part of their care and being a part of their care team or having conversations about whether or not you were hired or not hired because of the color of your skin or whether or not a client wanted to move forward with you or not move forward with you because you're a person of color and so it's been heavy and it's been quite uncomfortable and so I just wanted to have like an open discussion because I don't want people to be blindsided right that this may be something that happens and to have tools and resources for how to move through that and navigate through those situations and I know you had some feedback and some perspective on that as well um Lakeisha so tell me like your thoughts yeah, absolutely. And, and let's uh, call call it what it is. When when we met, you were not wanting to accept where you needed to be. <laughs> so no, that's we had to very be true. comfortable yeah. with accepting that this was your calling and creating this group for BIPOC 
uh, doulas was exactly where you needed to be. So yeah. I'm so happy that you embraced that because this group is definitely needed. As you see, it's growing because this need to have that sense of belonging, it's what everybody wants to have the sense of belonging, to be heard, valued, understood in the spaces that we're in. So yeah. racial equity in healthcare is a problem. We already know that, right? We know that right. black and brown um, people are dying at a higher rate in all areas of healthcare, especially with COVID going on, but specifically in uh, maternal health, women dying at a higher rate, yeah. uh, black women dying at a higher rate than their counterparts because uh, of the racial inequities that exist. So it's yeah. it's not far-fetched to understand that the workers in this space mm -hmm. would feel the same ramifications um, as, as going on in the space, you know, yeah. my wife is a critical care nurse mm -hmm. and absolutely this happens in healthcare where a, a patient doesn't want a black nurse yep. or specifically asks to be seen by someone white. Is it always available? No. Mm -hmm. So then you have to, again, keep moving forward and experience that racial trauma that comes with knowing someone doesn't want you there just because of your race. Yeah. Um, and, and still having to give them the highest standard of care yes. on top of that. So all of that trauma that comes into doing that and to think about it in the birthing space where, you know, it's again, all spaces at, at this point are... are usually predominantly white, mm -hmm. um, but white women is specifically here because this is a white woman led um, area, yeah. white doulas, being doulas. Uh, how, do, how do you create these collaborative um, relationships mm -hmm. and not experience this trauma that comes with being black or brown in this space? And it sounds like, whoa, where do we even start? It's just it's so much, right? Yeah. Um, and number one is creating the space. You've done an amazing job with creating a space for the conversation to start. It starts with conversation. Yeah. So amongst you, you're having these conversations. And as you continue to post the events, people are seeing, I didn't think that was a problem. Why do we, why is this happening? Mm. And then you call in allies, um, it, it, which is what it's going to take. Like I'm a huge advocate, you know, I'm not a, a, a birthing <laughs> woman at this point in my life no, anymore but you've been attracting a lot of doulas since we met <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's so important to me yep. why because I have a son who will have a partner that gives birth right, right. so it's important for my grandchildren I have daughters yeah. that will be coming up on um being birthing um, age yeah. and they need to slow it down. We're not ready. We're not there yet, right. but <laughs> it's getting there. Right. Yeah. So that is why it's important to me, even though I'm not a doula or I'm not, um, someone who is going to need a doula mm -hmm. for myself, I'm still advocating in this space because it is so important to, to everyone, everyone, this should be everyone's problem. Yeah. And that's the thing about allyship is once you see it as it, take it on as your own, mm -hmm problem we make uh waves we make uh movements in the initiatives that are coming forward so yeah i love what you yeah. said about this being overwhelming because that's how i felt when i first became a doula um what lakeisha is talking about is when we first started i told her that like i didn't want to be known as the black doula right i didn't have a picture of myself on my website 
or any indication of who I was as a person, right? So people have like the about me page where like they put their picture, pictures of their kids, they run their resume and they talk about themselves and why they got into do the work and so on and so forth. So I intentionally avoided that page on my website. And actually, I don't think I have that page on my website even now. Um, I do have a picture of myself on my website though. And the reason why is because like, I didn't want to be known as the black doula. I just wanted to be known as the damn good doula, right? Regardless of my color, I wanted to attract people who wanted compassionate and cool and comprehensive holistic care, right? And people who vibed with me, I didn't want to be the black doula for black people. I felt like maternal infant mortality is really heavy. And it's a load that, like, I didn't know how to bear and, like, I didn't want to acknowledge or accept. Like, it was just easier to kind of, like, stick my head in the sand around the whole thing because it just feels so heavy and, like, it's impossible to change. And I know it's not, but I'm just saying, like, it just feels that way at times. And so I definitely was feeling so overwhelmed before we started working together. And the more we started working together, the more I kind of feel like I'm being called out to do the things that highlight BIPOC people, right, including myself. And so it did require me to come out of my comfort zone and to really realize some things. And I could sit around like everybody else and say, why doesn't this exist? Or I could work on creating it, right? And working on creating it has actually been a lot of fun. (laughs) I've made a lot of connections and I I am now able to sit at the table and hear other black people say, wow, I was looking for this. I really wish that this existed. I'm so grateful that you're creating this. Thank you for doing this. When is the next one? Like, that's what everybody always says. When is the next one? So, yeah. Yes. We, when we're going through something or we're feeling a certain way, we always feel like we're the only ones who feel that way. Mm -hmm. Like nobody else could possibly be feeling this way. They all have it all figured out. But what reality is, is there someone else multiple people more than likely feeling exactly the way that you're feeling and so that's why having those conversations is so so important and just like in business when um not showing your picture as you mentioned not Mm -hmm. showing your picture um that's a real thing for black people people of color in business like we have this um idea of what professionalism looks like and and it's not a black person right unfortunately that is not what you default to so you know I do exercises on unconscious bias well you know close your eyes and describe something like okay you enter the plane and you see the pilot and then open your eyes what color was the pilot he was most people will say it was a white male Mm -hmm. because that's what they automatically think of Mm -hmm. when they hear pilot so the same is happening in the birthing space you you say doula and what image is coming into your head it's a white woman that's coming into people's heads older white woman yes (laughs) um so how do we change the narrative around there Mm -hmm. about it and have people when they they hear the word doula it's this whole spectrum of bodies that could possibly fit the bill for my doula the most Mm -hmm. qualified person that fits with my birthing plan that fits with everything else where their race is not uh, the first thing that I think about. Right. So it it comes from, again, having these conversations, calling people in and and growth is uncomfortable, you know, growing and stepping out of our comfort zones is uncomfortable. The same thing here in the space, having these conversations is uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, So it's difficult to, to even start because you're like, I don't want to be, that person that's always like complaining or there's a problem or, mm-hmm. you know, pointing out the things that are not going right. Yeah. But we don't 
affect change if we don't have those conversations. You know, I, I too had the same uh, situation where I didn't want to be the coach for black women or yep. women of color. Um, and, and I was fighting that same narrative. And But that's what I was, was attracted to. That's who was attracted to me because they felt the same struggles of starting a business, being in business, and being in a black body, yeah. being a black woman, and what that felt like, what barriers were there because of just being a black woman. So, uh, and then the racial trauma, you know, they're like, I've been traumatized by other coaches, or in your case, um, <clears throat> doulas, other doulas yeah. that are white. It, it happens. So, yeah. yeah. It's crazy because I feel like you have to build your own but still be a part of the community at the same time. And so you kind of feel like you have your foot in two worlds, right? Like I have my mm -hmm. foot in like the BIPOC doula world where like I'm trying to build something, trying to build community, trying to see if we can all get connected, stay connected, like grow and be a part of like a really beautiful community together. But then at the same time, there's so many other people in our community who don't look like us who we still have to work with, right? Because a lot of the agencies that you can independent contract with are all white led and if you look at their website it's all white doulas so you're the token black person in a lot of cases when you do independent contract with agencies or when you decide that you want to become a certified practicing midwife all of the preceptors are white so you then become like the token because uh NARM which is the uh, National Association of Midwifery. I don't know, y'all Google it, but something like that. <laughs> like they're they're always looking for preceptors who do take action and are involved in DEI. And at the same time, it's kind of annoying that those people aren't making a more intentional effort to like get to know BIPOC doulas and get to know like up and coming like you know midwife assistants or people who are interested in becoming midwife assistants like I've never been reached out to by anybody but then the people who have once they do accept the invitation it's kind of like like it's just kind of a lot because then you take on all of the things that come with being the only black person involved so it's tough yeah yeah absolutely Tok tokenism is real and it, it happens again in, in all spaces and being the the issue comes with not you being a black body being a doula um but with them defining diversity in the space of doulas so mm -hmm. they've created this false definition of what diversity means and have allowed um people to be able to fit the bill of being diverse by having a token mm -hmm. uh, black or brown person so it starts with at the top, it always starts at the top with redefining what it actually means to have a diversity initiative in your business, mm -hmm. to be an anti-racist business um, and to embrace and be an ally for the community that you're trying to uplift and, and amplify the voice of. So once, once they go back and do that, and that's created through, again, conversations and training, like mm -hmm. obviously there's a lack of training and knowledge for these, um, these entities in how they're creating more trauma yeah. by having these like performative measures in their, um, their practice and policies. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the things that you as like a DE&I consultant are like equipping people with in order for them to go back and change the culture around their mm -hmm. business and change the way in which they are hiring and collaborating with talent? 
So the number one thing I, I preach and practice myself is you cannot have an anti-racist business, business if you yourself are not anti-racist. Mm, right. So it starts with self. Mm. So you have to engage in unconscious bias training mm. to identify those things. Because sometimes, um, like you said, it's overwhelming and we don't know what we don't know. So I, I always start and meet people where they are and give them the benefit of the doubt of this. They just have not been exposed to diverse populations. Mm. So let's start there. We're creating a safe space, unconscious biases and identifying those areas and where you are thinking differently than what you should be thinking. Yeah. And and that usually triggers just this um, domino effect yeah. for people who are really ready to lean into the work and they realize, wow, I've been doing that. You know, understanding what a microaggression is yeah. and understanding what it looks like in your space. So giving those examples of what a microaggression for a doula in the doula space would look like. And they're like, oh my God, I've done that. I didn't mean for it to come off that way, but we know the in, um, intent versus impact is is completely different. Mm. The trauma has been created, right? Yeah. And then having trauma-informed businesses and understandings of what it means to be trauma-informed, not just in your practice as a doula, but in creating racial trauma for the people that are around you mm. when you're calling them in and saying, oh, I'm going to you know, apply for this, but it requires me to be diverse. So let me find that one token to help me reach my goals because yeah. being an ally um, is yielding to the population that you're helping. You know, they, they make the rules on what it means for you to be an ally, not you making the rules. So understanding that um, and, and really leaning into their responsibilities in the space. Because again, like I said, it's everybody's problem. And if we're talking about birthing mothers and people giving birth this, that is one of the most sacred things on the planet, right? right? And I want to be safe in that space. I don't want to be scared for my life. Yeah. Am I going to make it out of this? Am I going to see my child grow up? Because I'm going into this predominantly white space yeah. and I don't know what's going to happen. So we need uh, doulas to advocate for mothers and for other doulas of color yeah let's talk about allies and being a good ally yes. because you've brought that up like a lot of times when we've been talking together privately like in our coaching sessions and mm -hmm. you've even said that you need white allies so why do you think that allyship is so important what does it mean to be a good ally and why are white people needed in order to make the ally movement move forward yes allyship is so important because allyship relies on privilege, mm. whatever privilege you have to amplify a, a community or an underrepresented uh, space. Mm. So that is why it's so important to have white allies because the power is there. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to balance that power and we can't do that without the people who are holding the power. Mm. Like we can't just will our way to equity. Right. We can't just um, talk our way into equity. We have to get the people who are making these policies and creating these uh, organizations to create them in a way that is safe for everybody. And if they are not involved in the process, the process doesn't change. Mm. So that is why it's critical to have um, allies that are white doulas in this space. They, they have to bring it up to the board and say, hey, I'm advocating for black and brown women in this space for equity in this space and how it looks for what you need. You know, you need to give them like, this is what we're feeling. This is how we see the barriers mm. to equity in this space. 
Um, and then they take action and, and ally being an ally takes active um, movement, not just saying you're an ally, you're making, um, you're doing, you're, you're not just saying. So yeah, advocating for amplifying those voices and, and listening and building trust within um, the community that you're, you know, leveraging your privilege for. All of these things are super important to being a good ally for, for people. Yeah, I love that. Talk a little bit about like how you as a black woman are like recharging and like taking care of yourself while you're doing work like this, because I feel like it might give pointers to other people who may be like doing the work and maybe in situations where Mm -hmm. they are constantly having to collaborate with people and maybe even be like the first person or be the token person in order to open up the door for other people. Like maybe they can't leave or quit right away because they need to get what they need as well. So what do you think about taking care of yourself and protecting yourself in a space where it is a predominantly like white space or you do feel unsafe or tokenized like what's your advice on that yeah and and it's unfortunate that this happens more often than not where you are being you have to be exposed to this constant racial trauma right like you said you don't i don't have the ability to just walk away from my job or i don't have the ability to not be in the space with the white doulas because i need to um advance my career or in the birthing room as we stated people are still making comments like i don't want a black person in here i don't want a black doctor or whatever so that's a real thing and for me that being a consultant and getting on people's level and constantly being um exposed to people who think that way and doing the emotional labor for them yeah i have to take mental health days (laughs) like i have to completely shut down and walk away from the work, the messages, the emails, and take care of myself. Because if I don't, it will be, I won't be good for anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, that is number one, my family first, you know, they, I won't be no good for them. And, and then my clients, as well as, you know, just my, myself, yeah. myself should have been number one, but um, <laughs> <laughs> myself number one, because uh, I can't help people if I'm not helping myself. Right. So definitely deep, taking unplugging and engaging in activities that have absolutely nothing to do with uh de and i and i'm gonna tell you how hard that is like everywhere i go i'm noticing (laughs) the the differences and and the problems and the issues and and things like that so turning that off and being like you know what I'm not going to say nothing. I see this happening right now. I'm not, I'm not in work mode. I'm going to let that one slide. Yeah. You know, not engaging with trolls on the internet. That that's the biggest thing. Like, cause you can get in a loophole with these um, people yeah. whose minds you're not going to change. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I don't engage even in my business practice. I don't see clients who need to be convinced of that racism isn't real. Mm-hmm. That's not my job. You know, I there's people who do that and I'm not one of those people. I can refer you to someone who engages in those type of um, learning experiences. Mm -hmm. My expertise is for people who know there's a problem, but don't know what to do. They're overwhelmed with where to start and they want to move from um, inaction to action. So that is more of my expertise in my area because that other one, getting people to not to believe that racism is real is very draining. Very, I mean, it's, it's just, it's too much. You know, I think I'd have to take a lot more breaks if I was engaged in that type of work. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I would love to know, like, any final thoughts or tips that you have for people that are thinking about um, building an anti-racist business and also mm-hmm. people who may be in black and brown bodies trying to do work in a predominantly white industry. Um, any final thoughts you have about that? And then we'll move to, like, where people can find you online and connect okay. with you. Yeah, so one thing I want to tell people is that building an anti-racist business or any, like, ism phobia all of those things yeah. is for everybody mm. so this is not a, a call in for just white people we all have our own biases that come into play when we're creating our businesses mm. right um so ca- taking an inventory a self inventory and figuring out where you are on that spectrum of what do i believe what stereotypes have i played into and how have i contributed to some of this um this stereotypes in the in the industry what have i done you know that's super important because it always starts with self Mm. and then for um allies creating allies uh, uh, that are the white women in this space really really calling you in right now and saying if this is something that you're passionate about i mean you're you're in an industry where you are a care taker and you're you care about the well-being of others um, caring about your other doulas that are bl- in black and brown bodies and amplifying them. Come on in, come reach out, get some training from me. We'll put something together so that we can um, identify and, and really start doing the work that matters and creating some real change in the space. And then for those in black and brown bodies who are doing this work, um, keep keep going, keep doing this work. Mm. You're so needed. Call call in more that look like you. Create create doulas, more doulas that look like you. Yeah. And continue to form this coalition and and, and sisterhood and the brothers because I know some some brothers out here doing the work too. Yep, absolutely, um, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so that it you have these continuous conversations as trends change and as um, things happen. And again, you're not the only one going through something. So speaking out and having these spaces that are safe for you to have these conversations uh, is, is key. So yes, keep keep the movement alive. Keep it going. Yeah, I love it. Can't end on a better final thought than that. And so, so people can reach out to you to start to put together these workshops and trainings and curriculums and things like that, that they really need to take their life and business to the next level. Tell everybody where they can connect with you online. I know you have a phenomenal Facebook group as well. So we'll go ahead and drop information for that in the description, but we'll say it too. So go ahead. Yeah, so on my Facebook group, it's called the DE&I Lounge, and that's on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Lakeisha underscore Angelique, and you can always uh, reach me on my website at www.lakeishaangelique.com and hit the contact me uh, button there to send me an email. Okay, awesome. And we'll make sure to link that below. Oh, you know what? I thought of another question that we'll just put as a little nugget at the end. A lot of people are always wondering, like, are there any like um, books or things like that that they can dive into to begin like their DE&I discovery and really start to change things? Do you have like a favorite book or resource that you always recommend to people that you feel like is impactful? Yes, I always tell people to start with cast and um, that book is just amazing and it does a great job at understanding uh, the cast system and how we got to where we are and understanding that racism um, and classism and the difference between the two. So getting rid of racism, we still have classism and how that impacts um, 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I always tell people to start with that book um, and then come come on in the group to get a, a longer, ex more extensive reading list because I'm always releasing new titles that I've come across. Okay, awesome. Okay, y'all. Well, we can't end it any better than that. So thank you so much for being a guest and thank you for the work that you're doing. And I also really, really appreciate the way that you advocate for doulas and what we do and share um, the message of us and that we are available in order to support um, birthing people in infant mortality and morbidity and it's spelled as well as maternal mortality um because people just don't know about it some people are just finding out about it so thank you thank you thank you for all of that work as well so um thank you guys for listening this was a short and sweet episode hope you guys enjoyed it hope that it triggered some things and hope that it will continue to build and there'll be open conversation around it definitely reach out to lakeisha reach out to me i would love to hear from you guys as well and we'll see you guys next week Hey doula, are you enjoying this week's episode? Are you ready to begin your journey into birth work? If so, then I'm inviting you to check out my free training by texting the word doula to the number 216-616-3269. Again, that's 216-616-3269. This training will support you in identifying the vision you have for your doula career. It'll give you the three clear steps you need to take to begin your journey into birth work. And it will also help you avoid the common missteps that can cost you time and money. This training is perfect for anyone who wants to get started as a doula and wants the roadmap for making their dream a reality. By the end of this training, you will have a plan to finally birth your dream of becoming a certified doula. The best part is that this training is absolutely free, free 99, okay? Plus it includes exclusive bonuses that I don't share anywhere else online. So go ahead and sign up today by texting the word Zula to 216-616-3269. And the link is also in the description of this episode. I cannot wait to see you there.